When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Mike Tannenbaum joins the party now. What's up, Mike? Ki- Kiwi, Anita must have done really well with her prop bet yesterday, the fact that we're listening <laughs> to the song. Right now. <laughs> You're Absolutely. funny. You're She's funny. I did, o- I, did, I did okay yesterday. I didn't do great. Um, I had the under in the Seattle 49ers game. That didn't hit for me. But I did have a lot of money on Christian McCaffrey scoring an anytime touchdown, the 49ers winning. So that that was what that went well, and then in the Chargers Jags game, I did have the over, which hit. Um, but I thought Eckler would be utilized more in the passing game. I had over thirty six and a half receiving yards, and he didn't even come close. But let's start right there, Mike. Right, because we're gonna get into the coaching carousel. Who's on the hot seat? Who's not? Who could be hired? All that good stuff. Boy, not sure if you stayed up for this entire game. A lot of people turned this off at the half. You had a Chargers team that was up twenty seven to seven. And then we're only able to score three points in the second half. Bosa has to be really beside himself. That penalty setting up the Jacksonville Jaguars to go for two as opposed to one, where at the end of the game, all they needed was a field goal to win as opposed to tie. And they do win 31 to 30. Your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I mean, so much to unpack, guys. Um, You know, Chargers ran the ball six times in the second half, and their lack of ability to run the ball, I think, was a huge part of the game. And the other penalty that Joey Bosa had, guys, was he lined up in the neutral zone, which nullified yeah. a blitz. And it wasn't even – he had no impact in the play. It was on yep. the other side. And mm-hmm. that one play, that may have changed the whole game. Um, also, obviously, throwing his helmet, they go for the two. Um, so it, it was a stunning, stunning game. You know, I think the championship teams, I think what separates teams, guys, like starting this weekend is when you have to do something and you can still do it. So what I mean by that is – the Chargers couldn't run the ball, and they have to be able to get, you know, some efficiencies, which, again, you don't have to rip off 10, 15-yard runs, but get 10 yards on first down, keep the clock moving, shorten the game, you know, make your opponent's margin for error much smaller, and they can never do that. And when you're throwing it and it's incompletions, you're just giving your opponent additional timeouts. So um, I, I think for the Chargers, you know, if your glass is half full, there was a lot of good things that happened this year. You got a superstar quarterback, but – I'll tell you what, one thing I would do if I was them, I'd have him run more. And you can run and protect yourself and slide. But the way Josh Allen's such a weapon with his legs, I, I don't understand why the Chargers don't do that more. Yeah, 100%. Like, you can uh, – a couple things of what you said. You can overcome uh, penalties and you can overcome a lot of different things. But when you're talking about the, the playoff atmosphere and – how key and pivotal every single play is that's really difficult in terms of um bosa throwing his helmet and and getting that penalty specifically the one where he was lined up in a neutral zone i feel like if you're a defensive end and you're playing at a really high level you're gonna you know try to creep up you're gonna do something so there there's there there's plenty of opportunities and it's acceptable if you make a mistake like that but the throwing of your helmet and and costing your team like that's that's really difficult to overcome and you when you watch the playoffs you what you realize is that the teams that make the fewest mistakes tend to come out you know with the win um i know we're going to get into the coaching carousel uh, but let's before we do that 
because I want to talk about the 49ers game with you, but, you know, Staley, a lot of people think that uh, he's going to get his pink slip today. Uh, A lot of people felt he was coaching for his job last night. I will tell you this. I'm sure you're hearing the same thing, Mike. I'm hearing Sean Payton really would love that job and get his hands on, on Justin Herbert out there in L.A. Not sure if you're hearing the same thing. If Staley does does get fired today, uh, my money is on on Sean Payton taking over as the new head coach of the Chargers. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that all makes sense. You know, I, I think if they do make that decision, you know, Sean Payton makes a lot of sense for, for those exact reasons. You know, I think the calculus for the Chargers is, you know, are we happy with the trajectory of this team? Um, you know, when you take a half a step back, they did have a productive season. Um, but, you know, Sean Payton's an all-time great offensive coach. And, you know, those are just one of those, like, moments where it um, – if you're the owner, you know, is this an opportunity that we can't pass up? You know, I, I'm one a little bit more for continuity. You know, Brandon Staley's more of a defensive coach despite playing uh, quarterback in college. And you certainly could scour other places to go get, you know, offensive – uh, sort of fresh ideas. Look at Ben Johnson. I work with Ben in Miami, but for the most part, he toiled in, you know, really obscurity. And now, like, he he's a hot guy. Shane Steichen, ironically, Shane Steichen came from the Chargers. So, point being is, and he's with the Eagles. He's a head coaching candidate. So, you could go big and try to get Sean Payton, but there's other ways you could improve this offense. Again, I'm going to list off some, some names that are out there. Uh, with potential uh, opportunities to get a head coaching position. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about this 49ers-Seattle uh, game as well. The 49ers do beat Seattle 41-23. to No surprise here. The line was 9.5. Weather conditions were not as bad as I think we all anticipated, but still not good. 49ers defense is just so good. But really, the story here is Brock Purdy. Now, you know, Brock Purdy has been Purdy. He didn't look uber pretty yesterday, but you look at the statistics – 332 yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. You look at the plethora of weapons that he's working with. How how did how did 31 teams, Mike, pass up on him? Because it's a large sample size now. It's a, not, not a small one. It's a large sample size. How did 31 teams pass up on him seven times, Mike? You know, I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but I would say some of the similar indices are the reason why, Anita. So, you know, first of all, he has a good arm, not a great arm. He's an okay athlete, not a great athlete, but a lot of those explosive plays, like the Debo Samuel play, the touchdown Mitchell, like uh-huh. it's because he got rid of the ball fast and a he's lot of, a lot of yak. Yeah, exactly, and a whole bunch of yak. <laughs> what, yeah, what are your... I, I, I hear you, but you, you still listen. You, you still got to be able to read. Like, I, I think he reads defenses. I think he anticipates. I think his mind works fast, and and I know that's one of the things scouts look for in quarterbacks. It's not so much how, you know, you could throw the ball 90 yards with a flick of a wrist. It's a, a lot of it, and we've we've talked about it on the show, right? Like, a large percentage of the quarterback position is cerebral. It's evident that this young man has it. Kiwi, right. what, what, did, what do you want to say? Yeah, no, it, I think it's obvious that he has it. I think he's, he's done a, a great job of doing what he's been asked to do. I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll toss this one to Mike. My concern was, you know, when things were put in his hands and he had to, you know, execute – um, at the end of that that first half, like how concerned are you? And I'm not talking about him in, in terms of his career. I think like he has uh, done an amazing job and he could end up being a great player. But I'm thinking specifically for the 49ers because I focused on the 49ers and I, I have picked them. Um, did you see any concerns, um, you know, in Brock's play going, you know, coming out of the first half last night? Yeah, yeah, there were some inconsistencies there for sure. Um, I thought, 
you know, him and uh, Trevor Lawrence both had to settle down, probably for slightly different reasons, but neither played well in the first half. You know, um, he missed some throws. He was a little inaccurate, a little late, and then I think he settled down and played well. But, you know, Anita, going back to your, your other question, you know, what's interesting is, like, if you would have put him, you know, let's say in Houston or certainly Denver, like some of these offensive lines that got really beat up this year, how much better would Brock Purdy have looked? You know, like, it, it's interesting, you know, so if you're a – area scout you're covering you know the the big 12 and you have this guy from iowa state who's smart he's tough he's accurate but the way the league is going he's not athletic he doesn't have a great arm you know it's probably hard to put more than a fourth or a fifth round grade on him and then he goes to the perfect situation falls in the draft which sometimes that happens and you know again if he was great in training camp you know we would have heard a lot more about brock purdy like he really nobody really knew about him um, and he just sort of took advantage of his opportunity. It's really, if you're a quarterback, guys, it's ideal. You have a great offensive line. You you stretch the field horizontally, so you're not going to get a lot of pressure because you can move around. And between George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey, like those are all long handoffs. Like we're going to read today about this big touchdown pass that Debo Samuel had, but you know the ball was not in the air very far, and Brandon Ayuk made a great block down the field. Again, he's Mike Tannenbaum, Anita Marks, and Matthias Kiwanuka. Guys, we've got some calls on the line. We're going to get to you. So, Tiho, Mitch, Vinny, hang tight, I promise. We get back, we'll have Mike Tannenbaum's bomb of the week. Patriots are out, so we know can't go there. Thank God. Um, but um, <laughs> That was actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, enjoy the veal. Tip your tip, tip your waiter. Um, and, and we will... Uh, span the NFL in regard to some of the names out there that are in um, contention. That's not really right, the, the right word I'm looking for um, that, that have an opportunity of getting an interview and potentially uh, getting a head coaching job. And there's quite a few minorities on those, on this list, which excites me for sure. So we'll dive into that. And of course uh, an even bigger uh preview of the Giants Vikings and also we'll get Mike's thoughts on uh, on uh, Mike LaFleur being let go offensive coordinator for the Jets so all that's still coming your way with you for another 45 minutes right here on 90 90.7 ESPN tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music included with your Prime membership Amazon Music offers the most ad free top podcasts enjoy shows like First Take Pardon the Interruption and The Low Post available ad free and uninterrupted to start listening download the Amazon Music app or go to amazon.com slash ESPN pods that's amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. The bomb is about to be dropped. It's Tannenbaum's Bomb of the Week. 
That's right. It's time for Tenenbaum's Bomb of the Week. What is it, Mike? Well, you know, now that the New England Patriots snuck into the playoffs, I really like... No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) uh, New York Giants 31, Minnesota Vikings 28. I think they're the better team. I think they're the more complete team. Candidly, this is not even an upset to me. I think if these two teams play 10 times, guys, I think the Giants win 7 of the 10. Yeah, I love the Giants today as well. We'll do a deeper dive into that matchup really quick. In all seriousness, in talking about the Patriots, um, word came out this week that Mac Jones went behind Bill Belichick's back to complain about the offense. Oh, no, no, no. I even know. I even know. No, no, you don't do that. Uh, What do you know about this report or a.k.a. rumor? Um, we're hearing that Matt Patricia is not going to be calling plays next year. So did the squeaky wheel get the grease? Who knows? Who do you think is next in line? I'm he- hearing Bill O'Brien potentially. What, what are you hearing about the offensive side and what Mac Jones, that rumor about Mac Jones going behind Bill Belichick's back to complain about the offense? Yeah, well, I, I don't think he had to do that. I mean, I don't know if that happened or not just to start with, but like clearly, you know, things didn't go as well um, this year offensively as they did a year ago. And typically, you know, you see sort of like the, the inverse of that trajectory with a rookie quarterback. So something was broken. They had to fix it, you know, and I'm not surprised because Coach Belichick is a very introspective guy. He's going to want to win. He tried something with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. It didn't work. I don't think the cupboard's bare there. Um, I think they have some pieces on, on offense. Um, you know, in terms of possible names, certainly, you know, Bill O'Brien. Bill's been a head coach, Houston Texans. He's been a very successful college coach most recently with the University of Alabama as their offensive coordinator. So, obviously, that makes a ton of sense. And then, you know, one other name to think about is uh, Cliff Kingsbury. So, Cliff was He's drafted. He's in Thailand. He didn't even buy a return flight <laughs> ticket. Yeah, well, you know, that that could change. You know, like, a lot of these guys, you know, they need a lot of time off, and then they go someplace for about 10 minutes, and then they're ready to go. Um, but, you know, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury and Bill Belichick calls me and I have a chance to – Whoever gets that job, guys, like it's only upside. It can only get better. So it's really a great opportunity for a coach who wants to be a head coach again. You, you spent um, a lot of time, you know, talking about the Patriots. You know, but what did, what do you think is their biggest area that they need to improve in? You know, obviously Kiwi. the season was disappointing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, to me, Kiwi, that that one's really easy. It's the offensive line, and it's funny. Like we've talked so much about Matt Patricia, Joe Judge. I think the guy we really should have been talking about was their longtime offensive line coach, Dante Scarnecchia, because to me. That's what's been missing. And then they had a whole bunch of injuries. Isaiah Wynn, their former first-round pick, he shut it down. Yanni Kajust was out for a lot of the season. They've lost some guys in free agency or injury um, at center. So they, to me, like if they could protect Mac Jones, I think he has a chance to be, I'm not saying he's a top 10, but certainly a guy you can win with. I see him as a Derek Carr, a Kirk Cousins, someone in that sort of like, call it 10 to 15, where He's not a superstar, but look, they had a good defense. They could run the ball. They got two good backs in Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. So I don't think they're far off, but their passing game and their protections have to get a lot better. All right. Um, let's let's just looking at the landscape uh, in regard to some of the names that are out there uh, for potential uh, head coaching spots, right? And those that are, are, are getting requests from, from teams for interviews. Um, D'Amico Ryan's. San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, uh, I think is interesting. The Texans have asked to uh, to interview him. 
Brian Flores is is in talks again uh, with the Cardinals. Be enemy. Finally, hopefully, maybe he gets a job. Um, of course, we mentioned Sean Payton. I think if Staley gets gets fired, I think he's going to go to the Chargers. I hear uh, from personal information that that's the job he wants. He wants to get his hands on uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, Raheem Morris, uh, Rams defensive coordinator. The Colts have uh, requested to speak to him. Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Dan Quinn, uh, possibly uh, with the Denver Broncos. Kafka as well. The Texans have requested to speak to Kafka. Why not after the offense that him and Brian Dable has been able to put together for Daniel Jones? With those names out there, and Kiwi, I want to get your thoughts on this as well, but Mike, let's start with you. Any, any names that I have left off that you feel are, are really, there, there's, there's, there's a, a lot of excitement and you think potential about a new name out there that, that we'll see get hired? Yeah, one, one other name, Aaron Glenn. So uh, I was with Aaron in New York, not only as a player, but we hired him as a scout who at one point was thinking about being a GM and is incredibly smart, really intense, um, really good player. Uh, he's been coached by Coach Parcells, Coach Belichick, worked with Sean Payton. Um, and I know statistically it wasn't great in Detroit this year, and that may hurt him in this year's cycle, but I think within the next two to three years, we're going to hear Aaron Glenn be a head coach in the NFL. Kiwi, your thoughts? No, I, mean, I, I like his pick. I think, um, you know, I'd like to see uh, Brian Flores get another shot. Obviously, D'Amico Ryan's like when I when I look at you know, you know, guys who I played with or, or played against, and I I've, I've watched their their maturation. It, it's obviously um, very impressive. But I, I like I like you you bringing up, um, you know, Detroit staff because when you have a team that you know is, is is down you know for a significant amount of time and then you bring people in and they're able to turn it around. I think that's a testament to you know. A, a, a group of people who can really turn things around. You know what, uh, uh, Nia, just to jump in for a second. Sure. You know, yeah. Ki- Ki- Kiwi brought up something interesting about Coach, Coach Flores. If I was interviewing Brian, I would say to him, okay, specifically, what have you learned since you left Miami? And yeah. I'm going to give you guys a great example. One year we were at the Jets and we were interviewing a, a strength coach who uh, had been one place for a year and then he was out for a year. And I asked him that question. He pulled out a notebook. He made 24 visits to pro and college strength programs and learn one thing from 24 different programs. I, I didn't let him leave the room without hiring him. Like that's what you want. You want somebody that, you know, has a growth mindset that doesn't have all the answers. And, you know, Brian was, you know, a guy that played at BC. He was in the new England Patriots scouting department for a while. Then obviously, you know, became a good coach, got hired by Miami, but I'd like to know like, okay, what'd you learn from Mike Tomlin? Like, what does he do better or different? You know, let's go back a long time. Mike Tomlin was a Tony Dungy disciple. He, he All he really had coached was cover two, bigger corner zone, and let's tackle. He gets to Pittsburgh. He sits down with Dick LeBeau, and they play like the opposite, which is blitz. They do a lot of cross, like A-gap blitzes. Like, philosophically, could it be more disparate? And Mike Tomlin says, hey, you know what? This defense is better than the one that I was playing. We're going to play your defense and, and here's Mike Tomlin, who's a Hall of Fame coach, and the point is, like, it's about a growth mindset and getting it right, and that's what really has always uh, impressed me about Coach Tomlin. Like, he's not dogmatic, like, oh, well, this is what Tony Dungy did, this is what we're going to do. Like, he was much more pragmatic, and I'd love to know, like, okay, Brian, like, you've been in another system now. Like, what's what have you learned, and how is your approach going to be different? Let me ask you this. When you're, when you're a GM, like, what do you have to do for your organization to make it a more attractive job, you know, because like, how do you re- how do you 
get and recruit like the top talent of uh, head coaches? What are they looking for? Yeah, well, it's not a one size fits all approach. Um, you know, and look, I've been part of hiring four different head coaches. You know, going back to Coach Edwards when we hired Herm at the Jets, you know, we were competing against Matt Millen um, in Detroit at the time, and we knew that Herm was going to take. You know, like there was a sense of urgency, so timing. Um, you know, Rex Ryan, like we we knew that we needed to have a really good plan on offense that he was comfortable with because he felt really good about what we could do on defense at the Jets. So I think every situation is a little bit different. I think with Sean Payton, you know, uh, the late great uh, Leon Hess, who owned the Jets, said to Coach Parcells, and I was fortunate enough to be there, like, just don't violate the U.S. Constitution and go. And, and I think, you know, if I'm the owner of the Chargers, you know, the Spanos family, I say to Sean, Here's whatever you want, $10 million a year, $15 million a year, $20 million a year. Here's five years, and don't violate the U.S. Constitution. Um, you're listening to New York Game Day with a lot of really valuable information as we head into uh, another offseason of uh, musical chairs when it comes to the head coaching position. That's for sure. It will be interesting. By the way, uh, reports are that the Jets are going to interview former Colts offensive coordinator Marcus Bradley. Any thoughts on him, Mike? Yeah, well, you know, he's somebody that worked under uh, Coach Wright. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a vertical passing game. And if I was the Jets guys, candidly, like, I would take my time. I'd interview a whole bunch of guys from different systems. Um, and you're going to learn a lot throughout the process. So I, I think that's a really healthy approach. I think that's a good name. Um, and, you know, a, again, like that system, you know, when they were healthy, you know, those cold teams were scoring a lot of points. Uh, all right, before we take a break and, and when we come back, I, I do want to do a deeper dive into this Giants-Vikings matchup. We've got some callers who want to jump on board and talk about that game as well. So Tiho, Mitch, Vinny, hang tight. We'll get to you, I promise. Uh, but just big picture here in regard to how this playoffs and how the landscape is playing out. So as we know, the Jags, who were the fourth seat, beat, beat the Chargers. So now the Chiefs are sitting there waiting. Now the Chiefs potentially could play the Jags next week it all depends on what happens with the Ravens and the Bengals right so if the Bengals win and the Bills win then they will play next week in Atlanta because keep in mind it's a a different venue because of what happened a few weeks ago when Hamlin got injured okay so there's that if the Ravens by chance pull some type of upset and the Ravens win then the Ravens then would travel to Kansas City and then um uh the Jags would then go and, and, and play the Bills. So, but I, I do believe the Bills and the Bengals are going to win. So I am predicting that the next matchup will be Chiefs at home hosting the Jags and the Bills in Cincinnati playing in Atlanta. Guys, you agree or disagree? I agree. I agree. Mike? I, you... I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, Kiwi. We lost him. No, I'm here. Kiwi, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I didn't know you no, were going to elaborate. Okay. Go the... ahead. No, it's okay. I was just saying, um, you know, I believe that Buffalo is going to take it, um, you know, tomorrow and then – or today. And then, um, you know, Cincinnati. I, I just think without, without Lamar, like Baltimore is playing very hamstrung and very handicapped. And so um, I believe that you're right in those picks. By the way, really quick, Adam Schefter is reporting that both Huntley and Anthony Brown are going to play tonight for the Ravens. So a little bit of both quarterback action we're going to see against Cincinnati. Adam Schefter is just reporting that. Mike, your thoughts on how you think the AFC is going to pan out next week? Yeah, I think you know, I, I think Cincinnati will play Buffalo. My understanding was the neutral site only came into the championship game, not next round. And I thought that would be in Atlanta. 
um, if that was between um, Kansas City and uh, Oh, Buffalo. really? Yeah. Oh, my bad then. I, I yeah. thought... I, I thought if those two t- okay then that's my bad so is so so Atlanta only comes into play f- for an AFC championship game yeah and I think the interesting part of it my understanding was like for years they sort of like kicked around the idea of like do they go neutral site championship games and for all the worst reasons possible and the tragedy of what happened it, it does actually give the league you know a potential of like seeing if like this idea has any merit to it I'm sorry. That's my bad. I, I thought I thought that it, it was Atlanta at any point in time if the Bills and Cincinnati had to face each other again. So that's my bad. Uh, in the NFC, as we know, the 49ers won. So now you've got the number one seed, the Eagles, who had a bye week, and the 49ers, the number two seed, sitting there waiting to see how this all pans out. Now, again, we're all anticipating the Giants to beat the Minnesota Vikings today, right? So if that happens, this, the, the Giants with the sixth seed then comes in and would take on the Eagles, Okay. And whoever wins the Cowboys-Buccaneers game then would go and take on the 49ers. However, if the Vikings do win, they are the third seed. If they win, then they go to uh, Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. And, uh, and the Eagles will play the winner of the Cowboys in the Buccaneers. I so got- how, I, how I see this playing out, I think that the Giants win. So I, I'm looking at the Giants heading to Philadelphia next week to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And I have the Bucks winning. So I have the Bucks heading to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. That's how I see next week playing out. Mike, what say you? Uh, similar. I'm curious, like, if Nick Sirianni was part of this discussion, who do you think he'd rather play? I think he'd rather play the Cowboys or the Bucks. I don't think I don't think the Eagles want anything to do with the Giants. Hmm. Kiwi. Who do I think he would rather play? Hmm. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think I think he would rather play the Cowboys. But I think I think I think the Bucks are going to win. I think the Giants are going to win. Um, but Philly is, is is not someone you can count out. You know these these are playoff games and, and they've had a, a tremendous run and they seem to be clicking. So you you can't you can't just automatically say that you know they're they're not going to perform. Let me ask you guys this: Do you think it's possible that the Giants are the only away team that wins this weekend? Um. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because I've I, yeah I've got the Bills, the Bengals. Uh, of course, we saw the Jags last night. Yeah, I do have the Buccaneers, um, the Gi- Yeah, so the so so the Giants could possibly be the only road team that that straight up wins this week. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I heard Tony Dungy said that last week. Um, I thought he made a really good point. You know, Dallas is one in four in their last four road games on grass. And, yep. You know, we, that's we, what- we talked about we talked about that this last segment. What do you, what do you think the significance is? I think it slows down the pass rush. Like, you know, you, you, you pass rushers, you know, you're, you're high maintenance Kiwi and you, you like only certain surfaces. So, well, Kiwi made, Kiwi made an excellent point. Kiwi made an excellent, Kiwi, I thought, I thought your point was excellent. And, and this was really um, eye opening to me, Mike. And that is because I had made a comment uh, about the equipment crew. Are they giving them the right cleats? All that. But Kiwi made an excellent point. He said, a lot of these guys have allergies. And so, you know, once you're once you're like into the game and you're on that grass and you're rubbing your nose and you're getting, you know, stuff in your eye, it really affects you. And so, you know, you know, is is this a, is this a, a Cowboys uh, staff that is, is providing um, anti allergy medicine to these guys when they play on grass? Possibly not. I yeah. think that's a I thought it was a great point, Kiwi. I thought it was really great. 
Yeah. Well, after 18 weeks, it's about time we got one. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, throwing blows here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. We come back, we'll get the calls, and also we'll do a deeper dive into this uh, this, (laughs) this Giants-Vikings matchup. I know where he lives. I'll text you his address. We'll be right back. 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Giants win this game of what? Win the turnover battle? Get to Kirk Cousins a certain amount of times? Daniel Jones throws for over a certain amount of yards? Like, what is your one key to the Giants winning this game? If you give me one key, is going to be find a way to make Kirk Cousins as uncomfortable as possible. I imagine it's going to be a close game because that's what Minnesota plays is close games. The Giants right. play close games. If they and lose, these are evenly matched teams. Well, yeah, but I mean, if the Vikings lose, they get blown up. If they, if they win, I mean, there are 11 and 0 in one possession games. It's, it's hard to, to envision the Giants blowing out Minnesota, though, okay. isn't it? So it's going to be a close game. Yes. So now you look at the things that in a close game that could that could be the difference. Turnovers last last game was the difference. Justin Jefferson is going to get his. Don't let him wreck the game, though. It's DiPietro and Rothenberg. Their new time, 6 to 10 a.m. right here on 98.7 ESPN. Their thoughts on how this game is going to play out. By the way, when we're done in about 20 minutes, Pat O'Keefe takes over, leading into your Knicks pregame show, just FYI. Uh, gentlemen, uh, let, let's do this because we've got, got quite a few callers who've been holding on for a minute. Let's get to them. Tiho calling in from Montreal. Nice. Welcome in. Welcome into New York game day. How you doing? Bonjour. I'm doing really, really great, man. Thank you very much for taking my call. And uh, I do also believe the Bucks will beat the, the Cowboys tomorrow. So I just have two real quick things uh, for you and for your, your guests, your, your guys uh, today. One, it has to do with um, betting the over on Daniel Jones rushing for more than 40.5 and Saquon rushing for 72.5. What do you think about that? Um, <laughs> Tiho, I, I, I like them both. My, my favorite prop bet in this, though, and thanks for the phone call, is Daniel Jones over, I want to say right now, it's 242 and a half passing yards. He passed for over 300 last time. The Minnesota Vikings' pass defense is god-awful. Uh, and I think Daniel Jones, as well as Slayton and James and Hodgins, I, I, I think they have a field day, and they're going to need to in order to beat the Minnesota Vikings. That's how you beat the Vikings. Let's go to Mitch in East Windsor. Mitch, welcome in. How you guys doing, Anita? Hi. Uh, Mike? Let me get this phone straight. Uh, yeah. First of all, why can't they have this neutral game in one of those cities where their teams were uh, viciously uh, removed? You know, San Diego, San Louis, Oakland. I think that'd be perfect. Well, I say Daniel Jones, I've turned around my opinion on him. He's, 
he's not to play a heck of a game because uh, the wide receiver is, 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 is a big as the golf between Minnesota and Giants. That'd be great if the Giants can pull it out, kind of like my Jacksonville, which leads me to the Chargers. I guess the curse is there. And, like, they, they go over uh, bad calls. Can they go over calls, all the missed calls? Bosa was held so much. It was like they wanted them to win. I cannot believe the Chargers were up 27 nothing. I turn the TV off, and I wake up in the morning, and they lost. Yeah, that happened to – Mitch, thanks for the phone call. It happened to a lot of people, I'll be honest with you. Let's go to Vinny in Staten Island. Vinny, welcome in. Hi, Anita. This question is for Mike. Okay, I want to set the stage in a Seattle 49er game. Seattle completes a pass. They got third and a foot. They're down by six points on the six-yard line. Referees call an eligible receiver downfield. The threshold is two yards. The guy was nowhere near the play. He wasn't past the two yards. Next play, they get a sack. All hell breaks loose. They call the penalty two more times, in my opinion, in the fourth quarter to justify the first call. If I was the GM, now this is for Mike, I'd be going crazy. That changed the whole game. I'd be at the league. Who monitors these officials? They didn't call nothing the whole first half. That call was so tic-tacky. Yeah. Vinny, I totally agree. It actually happened in um, the night game, too, in the Jaguar-Charger game. They called Zion Johnson um, as well on that. And um, I guess it must be a point of emphasis. And I- I'm with you. Like, unless it directly impacts the the play, I'm for, you know, let, let the – players play so i agree that was a, a consequential sequence and the other thing you they may have gone for it on fourth down we don't know what would have happened obviously third down play but i think it's a totally fair point now the officials are evaluated um you know what we're always told is the highest graded officials make the playoffs just like the teams do as well what what call I, is that you're saying mike no ju- just in terms of like there is a process kiwi in terms of how they grade the officials mm-hmm. and in theory, like we are supposed to be seeing the best officials, and just in terms of how they're graded uh, throughout the year. I just and and I know we're going to take a break and come de- come back and do a deeper dive and and give you our our score predictions for the Giants and in the Vikings. But I've said this for a while now. I I think the way that the officiating uh, crews are, are handled are is is just is so 2000 and late. Like with the amount of money that that the league makes, hire hire officials that this isn't their second job, that this is their only job. And when they're not officiating, they're watching film, they're honing their craft, they're getting better at what they do, they're you know researching the teams uh, that they are going to officiate against that week. Like, I just, you know, these are, these are doctors, lawyers, accountants, attorneys, and this is their second job. I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't, it's, it's very, it's become very frustrating to me I think the whole thing needs to change, but that's just my two cents. I'll get off my soapbox right now. Quick break. We come back, and um, we'll do a deep dive into this matchup. Is the Giants getting ready to take on the Minnesota Vikings? What are our score predictions and all that? All the things, as I've been saying a lot lately, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Uh, we've got three games in action today. One o'clock, of course, is the Bills going up against the Miami Dolphins. Bills favored by, by 13 and a half. Could be a blowout. I don't know. Backdoor cover, possibly. Be careful. Game number two, as we know, is the Giants and the Minnesota Vikings. Game three later on tonight, Cincinnati going up against the Ravens. Cincinnati favored by eight and a half. Adam Schefter is reporting that we're going to see both quarterbacks in that game, Huntley and Anthony Brown, just FYI. And then Monday night, as we know, the Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. With that being said, guys, let's do a deep dive into this Giants-Minnesota Vikings matchup. Mike, what's the score and why? Um, you know, as I said earlier, guys, I'm going to go 31-28. I like the Giants. You know, outside of Geno Smith, um, I think Daniel Jones may be the guy that the quarterback that helped himself the most, um, you know, this season. With that said, they have struggled. You know, they're only 2-5-1 and one over their last eight games. This is actually a matchup of two teams that have a negative point differential. But I just think when I look at this Viking defense, it's so bad that uh, despite not having great weapons – I just think the Giants are a complete, more complete team. I don't think the Giants' defense is great. I think it's improved. I think Don Martindale's done a good job. I like Adoree Jackson when he's healthy. And, look, I think Justin Jefferson's going to get his guys. But I just think when we go toe-to-toe, because this Viking defense is so poor, I just like the Giants. Kiwi? Yeah, I got 27-24 with the Giants winning on this one, too. Um, I think um, there's, you know, there's – there's going to be multiple turnovers on both sides. I think both defenses are going to be opportunistic. They'll create turnovers, but at the end of the day, you know, Saquon Barkley and his contribution to this team leadership and the fact that they're getting healthy, um, Ojolari and Thibodeau and, and, you know, the rest of the, the defense specifically at the right time. I think that they have the blueprint to, um, to win and to, you know, show a, put together a great performance in the playoffs. Um, my score might surprise you a little bit. I'm going Giants 33 and the Minnesota Vikings 24 for a number of reasons. Number one, I felt, I feel that in, in hearing a lot of what's coming out or what came out of the Giants facility this week is, <clears throat> excuse me, they feel that they should have won in week 16, right? This is a Giants team that has the least turnover uh, ratio rate in the NFL at 7%, and they had two turnovers in that game. Not one, but two. Very uncharacteristically uncharacteristic of them so far this season. Uh, number two, of course, as we know, they lost by three with a 61-yard field goal, and they got a block punt. So they come into this, they feel that, I don't want to use the word revenge game, but I, they're coming into this feeling like, you know what, we should have won two weeks ago. This is our game. We've got it. We know what we need to do. On top of that, talking to Jordan Renan, and of course we had him on the show earlier, uh, this is a front seven that's finally fully healthy, and Adoree Jackson's back. Will Adoree Jackson be on a pitch count? Possibly, but nonetheless, probably the healthiest that this defense has been in quite a while. And they yet they still come in top five defense on third down conversion rate and top five defense in the red zone in regard to limiting touchdowns and only allowing field goals. So there's that. On top of the fact, this is a team that put up 405 total yards against, as Mike pointed out, a horrible Minnesota Vikings defense. They are 30th in yards per play allowed. They're 28th in score rate. And here's where it really gets good. 73 plays they've allowed of 20 yards or more. So especially in the passing game. 
and this might surprise, surprise some folks, but Daniel Jones is top five in the NFL in regard to completion percentage and accuracy of explosive passing plays, which are anywhere between 15 to 20 yards. So I think this is a beautiful matchup for Daniel Jones as to why I like the over of 242 and a half passing yards for him. We heard Wink Martindale. We played the sound bites here on the show. Wink said the key to the game for him is getting after Kirk Cousins. They got to Kirk Cousins four times. They had four sacks back in week 16. They blitzed over 50% of the time. Kirk Cousins under pressure, below 60% completion percentage. So I think that this is a defense that is going to get after Kirk Cousins. They lost one of their offensive linemen, O'Neal, who's not going to play. So, and I like Thibodeau as well as Dexter Lawrence getting a sack. Dexter Lawrence sack number is not on the, on, on, on the board yet, but you can get Thibodeau to get a sack at plus 145. So what does that mean? You're laying $145 to 100 that, uh, that Thibodeau uh, gets a sack and, and is, is putting snow angels out somewhere in, in a dome. Anyway, that's my breakdown here, guys. So I'm, I'm looking at the Giants 33 to, uh, to 24. We've got about two minutes left in the show. Mike, some final thoughts before we sign off. Um, when we spin this story forward, I, I think there's such an interesting conversation at the appropriate time about Daniel Jones and next year. I mean, the more I thought about it, guys, you may think this is crazy, but I think the Giants really have to think about franchising Daniel Jones because – if he walks out the door just looking around the league, guys, like I think his market's going to be pretty robust. Absolutely, I hear you. I hear you. That's it. I said the giant. I I last year I said the Giants should have picked up his fifth year option. I'm just throwing yep. it out there. I said yep. it. We have you're it right. on tape. We have it on yeah. tape. I said it. I said yeah, it. No, you're but, you're, okay. you're right. And like you know, you just look around the league and, um. He's a really good player. I don't know if he's great, but gosh, he would solve a lot of teams' problems. And now if you're the Giants, like, hard to think you want to go into year two taking a step back at that position. Kiwi, yeah, uh, about a minute left in the show. Final thoughts, my friend. Yeah, it, it would be very tough to, to justify letting Daniel Jones walk out of that building, you know, given what he's done and, and being in the playoffs this year. So I, I agree with you 100%. I think my, my thought, you know, as we've already watched these these first two games, um, you know, played is that, you know, the the ability to overcome adversity and to stick in it, you know, when things get tough is what football is all about. You know, all of the big lessons that you learn, you know, from playing football, a lot of them you learn at a younger age, but it's good to see them continue to play through, you know, at this high of a level, especially with the Jacksonville Jaguars and way that they were over able to overcome the deficit and, and knowing what they went through and the coaching changes that they had to make from last year to this year. It's just a really good storyline. I think it's, it's good for um, families to, to watch these playoffs and to, you know, to discuss real life stuff. Gentlemen, I always say I love waking up with you guys uh, every Sunday morning. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun, uh, but it, it is not over yet. Hopefully, Giants win, advance, and we'll see. Will they do they take on the Philadelphia Eagles in round two of the playoffs? That's what I think is going to happen. So go Big Blue, everybody! Thank you so much. Thank you, Julian and Tom, for producing the show. Appreciate both you gentlemen. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. Pat O'Keefe comes your way now here on ninety eight point seven ESPN.